in the A-League season. There's plenty to look forward to both on and off the pitch. Welcome to the Brisbane Football Review for another week here for the DFS Fan Network and because, well, we have nothing better to do. It's episode 30 of our second season and as per usual, it's James Scott and Adam and we're very happy to be joined once again by our now semi-regular fourth panellist, Angela from the Women's Game. I think we're getting used to having you on now. How have you been? I've been pretty good actually, yeah. <laughs> Just coming down from Argyle Cup and getting ready for Asian Cup. It's like it never stops. <laughs> I would assume this morning's Champions League result gave you a bit of a come down too. Uh, yeah, I just, just ignore that. We're just <laughs> moving on from that situation. Scott, how are you, are you going? What are you talking about, James? We're <laughs> <laughs> the two Men United fans on the panel yeah. today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're going to have to fix that, Adam. Well, okay. well, at least at least you guys have European football. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But we have Fellaini, that's the problem. No, yeah, no receipt. <laughs> Alright, so we're going to talk about uh, segment one, what do you say? Scott shrugged his shoulders. Sounds like a good place to start. (laughs) All right, so with no raw A-League game to recap, we're going to start with the NPL and Spencer Park on Saturday night where Scott and Adam had some pretty good seats for what looked like an exciting game. I do want to start off with the most important question from the night, though. How was the pizza? Uh, Look, I put on my Instagram, best uh, best pizza in Brisbane, (laughs) and I stand by that. Thin crust or deep crust? Oh, thin. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Too much or too little cheese? Oh, no, that's all right. And go and find out for yourself. I'd love to. Yes. <laughs> I was working, so I can't really complain about watching lots of sport anyway. And I suppose I should also ask Scott, how was the game? It was a good game, actually. It was a very open game between two sides who played very attacking football. And I think City probably be unlucky. I'm thinking they should have won the game because they had so many chances to hit the post and the crossbar, but the Raw did really well as well. I think it was probably a fair point for both, but City really came home in the second half. And, and a the, lot of good chances. The Royal Youth team have gotten themselves off to a really good start in the NPL this year as well. Yeah, it's actually been quite interesting. I did, did after the previous seasons, so seeing them last season, I didn't expect them to get up to this kind of start. But they've brought in some really good youngsters, and I'm quite impressed with the way they've been going. Adam, who stood out for you? Ah, uh, look, I think I don't think it was any. It was a solid team performance. I thought. Um, Look, uh, Nathan Noon, obviously, uh, leading the attack, is always sort of, sort of always stands out. He seems to stand out well at this level. I'm not sure going up to sort of national youth level or beyond at, at the moment, he still hasn't seemed to have that. But definitely at MPL level, he seems to really, you know, be getting good positions and, you know, and, and sort of, you know, a lethal sort of, you know, attacking force up front. And are we seeing that sort of progression that we were talking about last year when he was starting to make a name for himself in the NPL and stuff? Yeah, he's he's playing a slightly different role this year, more off to the left than through the middle, because I thought Baffert and Maradovic yeah. combined really well through the middle as well. I thought they were probably the Raw's two best players on the night. Not just because they scored, but they also combined really well. So I thought it's encouraging, particularly in the front, though, the Raw have got some very good young players. It's just at the back, they might to tighten up just a little bit. And yeah. the goal's probably helped. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, the problem is at the back that I don't think they've got that com- combination right. I don't know if it's just because they're not as experienced as the previous side was. But, yeah, it's something they've really got to watch out and leaking those goals. 
Aaron Reed missing as well is a big loss for that team. He's the experienced leader at the back. But also as well, so if, um, we're talking about stance as well. I think also from the other, at the other end of the field, I think Macklin Freaker, I think, has really sort of, he seems to have really progressed along, you know, through NYL into this now. He, he's, he's a much better keeper than he was probably 12 months ago. I think it's come yeah. with a bit of experience. So he's probably established himself as maybe the young keeper of the future with the rule? I think so. All right. So we'll move on to some of the other round six results because there was... Not as much drama as last week, or at, Damn least, it. At, least, <laughs> at least not as many goals to update yeah. this time around. Uh, Lions 1-0, uh, went down to Western Pride 1-0, and, you know, that, I'd say, was a mark drop-off compared to last time. <laughs> I think the opponent might be a mark yeah. as well. That too. Just a little bit. Morton Bay 3-2 over Mackay and Sunday. Magpies Crusaders United FC. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gold Coast two two with Olympics. So that was Olympics' yeah. first points dropped of the season. It wasn't was. It? It's, it's very interesting having seen Gold Coast play because I I just don't know where Olympic may have dropped players. I haven't seen the team sheets yet. But yeah, Gold Coast couldn't beat yeah Redlands United. Redlands United were not playing well. So <laughs> no, Gold- I'm sorry, yeah. Nick, but we didn't play well that game. But yeah. No, Gold Coast have been struggling. And they, again, they've got another red card. Now, I said to Adam, oh. as soon as that came through in the press box, I said mm. two, two all incoming. Because there's about 25 minutes to go, and Olympic were already on top. Yeah, we, so we're, actually, was, we're actually young. The way they did it was crazy with two penalties, but yeah. I've seen the highlights there. Two clear penalties. Well, thinking, oh, goal wow. You know, Gold Coast again, knock over. Um, we were actually on, on par, knock yeah. over Olympic until that red card came. We actually, I think we had a bet on who the final goal scorer was, a certain uh, media manager at a certain age. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just a handshake bet, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yes. Campbell responsibly. Yep. North Queensland United 1 0 over South West Queensland Thunder. And yeah, Redlands... but no one saw it because of the fog. <laughs> <laughs> and Redlands 5 1 over Sunshine Coast. That's. Encouraging, I suppose. It was encouraging, but very frustrating watching on the live stream. We had so many chances. And then Jaden, oh my God, Jaden, why did you miss that penalty? (laughs) Yes, that wasn't the greatest penalty, was it? No. Was it a miss or a save? Oh, it was a miss. It was a miss and a half. I I know we've been been really critical of Sunshine Coast the last few weeks. The one positive speaking point, they won the second half. Yes. They did, but they were (laughs) an absolute shambles in the first half. I expected a reaction. That first goal. Well, two minutes into the game, that's just ridiculous. Mm. You don't give the best striker in the league a chance like that. I will give credit to them. They realised that Redlands were going to jump and they just put the ball calmly in the lower corner. That's that's good. That works. But Redlands, you should not jump in the wall and actually go for every single footballer. Do not jump in the wall. Thomas, pass that message along and sign down there. Yeah, pass that message on to everyone. I have to jump, otherwise the ball just goes straight over my head and halfway up the goal. But if if yeah, I was gonna say a bit more, but yeah, if, if if you're that short, you shouldn't be in the wall. It's like Katrina Glory being in the wall. He let James stay out of the wall. Stay out of the wall. <laughs> I'd love to, but I'm the only one willing to put my face on the line. Which I've done that before. Yeah, yeah. It's always a little bit nervous when you see the person running up and you realise, hang on, that's a central defender who just doesn't really have any finesse in their shot. Yeah. <laughs> and the final match of the round, Cairns FC against Brisbane Strikers, was postponed because it. Might have been a little bit wet. Just a tad. Just a bit, yeah. All right, so... Playing it in July or something out there? Somewhere around. Yeah, there's two weeks weeks of wet weather around, so they'll be played back then, hopefully. I think it's going to turn into a very busy July for a handful of (laughs) times. All right, so uh, table at the moment. Olympics sitting on top, five wins and a draw. Trailing very closely are Moreton Bay United and Brisbane Raw Youth. Moreton Bay on top on goal difference. 
Western Pride just behind them as well, and you've got Lions, North Queensland, Redlands, and Cairns all within striking distance. Strikers, no pun intended, uh, <laughs> sit on four points along with City, Gold Coast, and Southwest Queensland, and Magpies Crusaders FC. Sorry, who's that? Mackay and with Sundays, <laughs> Magpies Crusaders, United FC, and Sunshine Coast FC. I yeah. think. I think. Uh, what is? What's <laughs> that? You repeat that? <laughs> yeah. Can you just? Can I? Mackay with Sundays, uh, Magpies Crusaders FC. They, I think they're a little bit better than actually what their table position suggests. I think yeah. they really pushed Morton Bay, who run the better teams. So, and like I so said, they pushed Lions the week before. So I think. I think, yeah, they might be a little bit better than um, for the relegation plays. So that might be an interesting battle, but I think, I think already Sunshine Coast may be um, thinking about FQPL next season. I do I kind of wonder who they about... beat to get their three points. That's what I want to know. I oh. do kind of wonder about Mackay and Sundays. When you've got a joint club like that, how long is it going to take for a lot of those setups to, I suppose, gel? Because there would be a fair few teething problems, wouldn't there? Well, yeah, considering that to try and get players up to the Magpies Crusade is that you have to want to work up there. And there's just, there's nothing bringing players up there. Yeah. That's the main mm. concern that they have. There's and no real draw, is there's, there? There's no real draw on like North you, Queensland or even You could work Cairns. at Caneland Shopping Centre in Mackay. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking for experience there. Yeah, they, they really have to bring their young, not youngsters, but experience yeah. through in their, from their own leagues already, yeah. which is kind of there at the moment. Yeah. It is good for development, though, for players yeah. in that region to get a chance. And there's but... a pathway there now, but it's the first season there's going to be a few issues to sort out. I hope they take a game to Early Beach. I like it there. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to NPLW. The Raw 5 0 over Logan Lightning. That's encouraging, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Uh, Gold Coast United 4 4 against Madurabar. Mitchelton 3 1 over Southwest Queensland. Moreton Bay 3 1 over Scott. Yes, Southwest Queensland Thunder. Two teams? What? There are two SWQ teams in the run sheet. Oh, there are. Ignore my terrible notes. <laughs> now you know what happened when I made it at 10.30 at night on Monday, don't you? Yep, definitely. Yeah. Well, Morton Bay won 3-1, and South's 4-0 over Western Pride. Postponed was Capalabar, Gap, and Sunshine Coast Wanderers against Lions. Current... That South team is stacked, by the way. Oh, yeah. A couple it. of Brisbane or A-League players in that side. So, W League players, I beg your pardon. Yeah, there's, it's, and they've there's even a bought a player yeah. over from Logan Lightning that was looking promising to bring into the squad just to play, um, to play last weekend, and they kind of just put someone else out from the South squad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so current top four: South Gap, Lions, and Mitchelton. So, Souths are apparently the team to beat. Well, they've always been yeah. the team to beat. Really, they've been. <laughs> Except for their very first yeah. poor season, they built from there once they got all the Palmy players up, but they continued to build from there and build really good with local girls in the league. Yep. So I think the gap is a big challenger as well. Oh, the gap, yeah. They'll come good in the yeah. second half of the season for sure. And jumping over to back to the men's game with FQPL, we've got Logan Lightning 4-1 over Wide Bay, Rochdale, Rochdale versus Mitchelton. I've been <laughs> watching a bit of English league football at the moment. <laughs> Kapalabar 2-0 over Ipswich Knights, Penn Power 6-1 over Holland Park, and Sunshine Coast Wanderers against Southside Eagles. Wolves and East were postponed, but it, again, Penn Power and Sunshine Coast Wanderers appear to have the box seat early. Um, let's believe that was one all at half time between Peninsula Power and Holland Park before a second half storm. So mm. that's. They're just. Can we just promote them now? <laughs> Please. Yeah. Make the league so much more competitive. Alright, so round seven fixtures. You've got Lions versus Sunshine right. Coast, City versus Redlands, Pride versus Moreton Bay, North Queensland United versus Gold Coast United. McCain with Sundays, Magpies Crusaders United <laughs> FC against Southwest Queensland Thunder. They're all on Saturday. 
Olympic versus Cairns FC, and the game that I believe we're all going to be at Saturday night, Brisbane Strikers versus Brisbane Royal Youth at Perry Park Saturday at six something like that or seven or I something. I do have a gripe Probably with seven. this though. <laughs> I have a big gripe. There's three really good games on Saturday night, but you mentioned the Brisbane derby. You've also got City and Redlands, which is, could be that could be five all the way those two teams play. Yeah, I wish then, I was going. <laughs> and then you've got the grand final rematch out at Walter at um. Briggs Road, which could, again, be a really good game between two teams in the top four. And I will be there for that one. Thank you very much, (laughs) MPLW Western Pride. (laughs) Have you got, it's got the fireworks set up again? Because that was cool. Oh, I really hope we do have the fireworks. I like the fire just coming out even better. That was so good. That was one of the best photos I've taken on my phone. (laughs) Of course, we do have the note, all of which probably pending the cyclone type thing off the Queensland coast, although latest updates say that it's going to go south, much like the, I, think, uh, I think we're on this weekend, Coast I think. <laughs> There's been too many rain already in the yeah. local league. So. Yeah, yeah, please no more rain yeah. outs. It might be a little breezy, but I think we're on. Yeah. All right, I'll have to remember that. That's going to be it for segment one of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back to talk about some news right after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott, Adam and Angela with you here for, what is it, episode 30? That's, yeah, something I, like that. <laughs> so I think what that puts us at about 64 on the season now. On, on the season. No, I don't think that's right, no. 64 for our careers. Yeah. And Scott's the only one that's appeared in every episode. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll miss one soon just for you. All right, sounds good. I'll um, get someone to Tonya Harding you. Okay. <laughs> Angela, you might have to fill in that week. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> All right, so we're going to start off with a bit of news from the Raw W League squad with Mackenzie Arnold moving to Norway for the W League offseason. Yeah, that was a surprising move, actually. Um, did stalk her Instagram a little bit to see that she was headed to somewhere that was very snowy and then had to translate Norwegian to English, there which you was go. a joy and a half. But yeah, she joined Samika Butt over there in the Division 1 in the Division One Women's League over there, which I cannot pronounce because I cannot speak Norwegian. Norwegian First Division. Yep. That's we'll right. go with that. Emily Gilling's not heading back over that way this year? Um, haven't heard anything on that front from Emily. I think she has a business back here in um, yep. Brisbane, so I think she's trying to focus on that, but we will see after Asian Cup if she heads back. So when does the Norwegian First Division start? Actually starts in two weeks' time. Okay, so <laughs> she might not be there for a little while yet then. Yeah, it's surprising. They have actually lost their first team goalkeeper because she wanted to get back and study. So I think Mackenzie's first choice, but if she's selected in the Asian Cup squad, they might not have her for a bit. <laughs> I think that's a guarantee. It's a guarantee, yeah. But that does seem to be the way, you know, I suppose, women's football works, where if you got an international call-up, it's just the way it's got to be. Mm. Yeah, pretty. It's not the same as in, it's. You have to go pretty yeah, much. There's yeah. no other option, and it's a big opportunity to play in the Asian Cup. And when you've got multiple, well, I suppose, competitions running not simultaneously, either, where you are able to play for two or three clubs in a year. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, because it's the Asian Cup, you also have, you have the NWSL on, and all the European leagues starting while all the Asian Asian leagues take a break during that time. So, yeah, it doesn't really coincide with anything, but that's football. <laughs> and McKenzie's really pushing for that first-team jersey as well now with the Matildas. Yeah. They've played a lot, couple games lately, so... And we all saw, like, she took some phenomenal steps forward yeah. this year as well, so... All the best. All right, so we've got to get on to a topic that Scott and Adam really want to rant about. So, <laughs> Angela, do you want me to go make you a coffee or something? While we- <laughs> uh, I, might, I might join this race. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So on the A-League hour Monday night. Monday night, yep. Uh, Bozza came up with his save the A-League plan. Oh, God. It was 
Seven points, 16-team A-League, second division. Uh, first three seasons of that, there's a playoff, last in A-League versus first in second division, so Wellington will be in that two out of those three <laughs> years. And then after that, two up, two down. And I think there was also another playoff set up mentioned for that as well. Yeah, third third from each the yep. league. Yeah. The point that I absolutely 100% well, not 100% agree with, but international breaks, transfer fees between A-League clubs and a loan system. We had to get one point right, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Salary cap bind and one that had me banging my head against a wall, move the A-League to winter from a March You just to want to break season. these down one by one. Yeah. Let's start with the 16-team yeah. A-League. We'll go from the top. Okay. So I think we're all in agreement here. There needs to be A-League expansion, but is 16 teams just not a little bit too much? Where are the where are the other teams yeah. going to come from? That's like the massive yeah. question. I think like, you can find the places for the teams, but I can't remember who said it on the show. It might have been Ned Zelich. Where's the talent to fill those six spots, six teams? Because that's that's another 128 Australian players basically you have to find. And there's 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 teams like South Melbourne, Canberra United where we could fill those straight away. But what about other teams across Australia that could that? Yeah could possibly have talent, but we just don't know about it. But then again, other, is that talent up to the scratch and standard of the A-League that is that it's is going to spread there? the ta- talent even thinner now, and you'll already lose our best players. Adam, you look like you've got something to say. Oh, no, I was going to say, I, just be, I, I didn't actually see the... Um, I actually didn't see what was said on the A-League hour, but I'd be interested to see what, what the context of whether this is... Is Boz's plan for next week, next next year, or whether a 10-year plan? Because as a, as a, I guess, an ambition... Look, that's probably where we should be headed for, you know, 16 teams eventually. But we're talking 2025, 2030 almost. Like, like, and to guys' points, I agree. Where are you going to find that? And see, the biggest complaint at the moment is that, oh, from all the Eurosnobs, that, oh, that the A-League standard is, 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 you know, it's not... It's not great. It's not great football at the moment. So when you start adding teams in, you know, that you know that have basically semi-pro players and now all of a sudden professional, it's going to take some time for that level to lift again. You know, and you can't. So it's it's one of those things that look as as a long-term plan. Yeah, I actually a lot of these points that we'll go through, but but yeah, I just think I don't think you can just do come up, up this overnight. Well, I want to sort of move on to the second point as well with my thoughts on this. I feel like. 16-team A-League and a 16-team second division is a worthwhile goal to be aiming for. But as you said, Adam, I just don't see it as a feasible option in the short term purely because, yeah, it's just going to dilute the talent that they have already. And frankly, watching some of the NPL, no disrespect to those guys Mm. who are still amateurs for the most part, there is a big gap between watching, say, the you know holding midfielder for Gold Coast United and Thomas Christensen. It's just not even it's, it, that too, but it's also the money that it costs to be yeah. an A-League club. A lot of NPL clubs are struggling just to be NPL clubs. They can't even afford to be an FFA Cup sometimes. That costs so much money. And then you have to pay your staff. You have to pay your players. It's just where's the money going to come from? Where's the talent going to come from? And where's that step up going to come and from? That's my problem yeah. with the AAFC model is I don't believe they've thought their plan out even remotely enough. Because I'm not sure to this point there's enough teams around the country in the NPL who could genuinely do it. I think you could find a handful. But that'd be about it. And you may wind yeah. up with a fairly big load towards the eastern seaboard yeah. with Victoria and New South Wales. Well, here, but here's the thing. Apparently, there are 13, 14 A-League bids. Now, here I think here is the test to see whether you know half these bids are actually serious or they're just there because they're jumping on and saying, oh, you know, we want to be expansion. 
know what? You probably, of all the bids, you're going to get one or two that, you know, probably should be in the A-League now. I, I look at something like a South Melbourne, maybe, you know, even maybe Brisbane City, you know, a few of those other teams. Maybe they, they're, they're A-League read, but what about the rest of these guys? You know, I think it's for some of these bids it's time to put their money where their mouths are. And, you know, if the, if, yeah. if the FFA say, look, we're going to go in, go to a first second division in two years' time, are they really ready? Not aspirationally ready, but are they actually really flying to ground and ready? I think you know a few few entities need to put their money where their mouths are. I think there's a lot of people waiting for the criteria to be released, but surely you should have a business plan by now. If, if you genuinely want yep. in, you have a business plan ready by now. And it's mostly um and the former um NSL teams that are saying, oh yeah. yeah, we're ready for a second division, we can be back. But I'm like, where's your money? Like yep. we, yep. it's been proven, even the teams that were N- NSL teams in Queensland, I don't think they have the money there. And a lot of people might not know that because they don't look at the background of that. But I don't think Brisbane Strikers have the money there to be in a second division. I don't think half the teams in Queensland have the money to be there in a second division. And that also assumes that they're going to be able to get in on the slice of the football market that the A-League is currently trying to get in as well. So that means that you could, like with the players, you're also diluting the financial resources too. Now, look, you know, one of the big... um, I suppose responses to the critics of the AAFC second division plan is let them have a go and see if they fail. And you know what? I'm actually all for that. If they want to, set I'm up all the... for like a national MPL league around. Yeah, that, yeah. Thing. That, that would be what they should aim for to me. And then you get relegated or promoted into your state leagues. That to me would be a better idea for them. But so it's like basically an expanded MPL final series. That'd be quite interesting to see. I don't. I think that's about the maximum that they can really achieve. Yeah, because even in. Queensland, it's just the money problems, and coming from a club like Redlands United and Western Pride, and seeing um, players and other clubs who have a lot of money who can give just ch- just give money out to players and say, "Oh, come over here. You're not getting that much money at say this club. You can come over here for us and get 400 a week." Yeah. Oh, all players are going to do that. That's why a whole bunch of teams end up with like a crap ton of players and good players. It's also why people go down to Victorian MPL in particular. Yep. Yeah, but look, there it's not something that. I feel like can be dismissed out of hand, but I feel like you're going to wind up having to choose one or the other as your primary target here. It's either going to be a 16-team A-League or, hypothetically, a 12-team A-League and a 12-team second division with promotion and relegation in the next five years. And I would honestly say, knowing the amount of, quite frankly, theatre-goers in Australian sport who, quite frankly, only show up to games to see their team win and don't actually want to sit through a whole bunch of tough games, I think that there isn't necessarily an appetite for a second division team in its current, for a second division in its current structure. Now, look, if these guys want to go and set it up on their own, good for them. Let them give it a go and let the FFA keep an eye on it or whatever the governing body is this time next year. But yeah, I honestly think you need to get the A-League sorted before you try and bring in a B-League that doesn't involve Sam Mack and Jules Schiller. <laughs> <laughs> might, might be a more viable option at the moment. It's a, the, I guess also as well on that is, is there, is, 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 I guess the question is, do we want to be like the rest of the world mainly? No, I would say, for example, the US being the exception. Now, or that appeals to that broader sense now that we're in line with pretty much the rest of the world. Or do we pander to the Australian sort of, you know, sporting culture yeah. where there is no such thing as promotion yeah. relegation. There's no such thing as, you know, two divisions. Like, it's like, if your team is, you know, a one, one, two games on mid-season, there's always going to be next season. And I, and in some codes, you get rewarded for being at the very bottom of that competition yeah, by the end of the year. Yeah, now, and that's the thing. Is I guess that's a big question that FFA and all the stakeholders need to figure out is that 
what do the A League? What does the A League represent? Do we want to be like the rest of the world and perhaps alienate you know people that never watched the game before, don't understand the concept, of, or are we pandering to the mainstream? That's that's the, the I think that's the question everyone needs to answer before we start making big plans about you know second division or you know or whatever. And one final point on this that really starting to bug me is the attitude of a lot of football fans that the game is just entitled to come in and muscle itself out of uh, into the space basically yeah it's, that's a big problem it's well. suicide it, 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 i tell you if they make that move um, we'll to move winter that we'll get that. <laughs> yeah. oh sorry no, we'll, we'll get on to that now because I think this is I all something that we'll, oh sorry cap. Yeah. Oh, we'll come oh, back we're to the cap. Sorry. Wanna, we'll come back to the salary cap I just want to since we're already there on yeah. moving the A-League to winter we have enough trouble getting access to stadiums now. Can you imagine trying yeah. to get oh the Raw involved in Suncorp Stadium when they've got Broncos Friday night, Reds Saturday night, and Raw having to play either Thursday night, which everyone will complain about, or Sunday afternoon, which everyone will say it's too late for families. I'll come to yeah. it with a diff- different sort of a complimentary angle on that, is that where is going to be a space on Fox Sports, who, whether yeah. we like or not, are, funding this, are pretty much funding this game at the moment. At the moment... They Fox Sports have the capital to be able to fund fund you know the telecaster because you know what the they, that's the only main thing yeah. on yeah for them it's their prime summer content it's, it's some it's, that's the value yeah. for them is they don't have, they don't have any of the cricket rights they've only got the A League and the NBL it's their prime prime time summer content that's why it's on Fox Sports One during yeah. the summer for them I don't think it would be much of a, anything for them in the winter to be honest I mean. I just don't understand the idea of doing that because you have MPL, grassroots yeah. football, division. You have everything on at that time. When, when are the kids going to get to go and watch these games? They have trainings during the week. Exactly. What about the weekend when they have to go play games? Where's a good time to have that on? And just following on from that, can you imagine you're a fan of a club that's been relegated? Let's just say a Mariners fan looking at this season's ladder who would have gone down. Can you imagine being a Mariners fan going on a cold, rainy Saturday night to Gosford Stadium to watch them play the Hobart... Mountaineers or whatever. Also, though, if you're a, if you're involved with say an NPL club like Redlands or whatever, how are you going to go to the A League games? If you're if the games that you have to go to at your local club are on, you can't go to the A League. I think it, it would actually have an impact on the crowds and the TV ratings. Look, look at look at uh, Brisbane Roar's crowds at the moment. Like that's only one small part of it. But I think having MPL on at the same time, look, a lot of people that I speak to, they they choose their, especially given the raw struggles, they choose their MPL club or their BPL club over going to Suncorp. Because they think it's it's a better game, so, and it's also significantly cheaper to go. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's, that's a fair point. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, but all right. So we'll come back to the. You want to touch on yes. the salary cap, Scott? I think he's crazy to get rid of it. Oh yep. God, yeah. Because at the, I know at the moment everyone's like, oh, it's like this anyway. But it would be a three-tiered league with the two Melbourne clubs and Sydney FC at the top. Then Brisbane, the Wanderers, Adelaide, Perth in the second tier, and the other three would just be making up the numbers. It's, you and only have to get to W te- League to see the problems. Yeah. Very few teams would actually contend and challenge for trophies. And to Adam's point earlier, when teams aren't winning in this league, you don't get crowds. Yeah. So I think it would be suicidal to get rid of the, the cap. Unless you replace it with something like a luxury tax where you, you um, charge the teams who spend more and it goes back to the rest of the league. But, and that actually is an idea yeah. that I remember first hearing from Mike Cockrell several years yeah. ago. Mm where he actually said go for something similar to the NBA system where you've got a salary floor, which means pl- teams are obliged to spend a certain amount, a soft salary yeah. cap, and then the luxury tax above yeah. it. And I'm still fine with the salary cap, to be honest, but it, in terms of alternatives, that is just much better to ensure that yeah. every team feels like they're going to at least be in with a little just bit of Just opening chance. it up to allow mm. the clubs in Sydney and Melbourne to get further and further ahead of the competition is not going to improve the standard of the league in the slightest. It might make it... The people at Fox feel better because the, the teams that they see more often in person are better, but 
it's not going to help the league. But one thing I do also want to add in. Sorry, I know you've got something. <laughs> I don't know. I, if we're talking about the way squads are built as well, I would love to eventually see something like long-term academy contracts. So, like the Raw have got their academy set up. I'd love it if in 10 years, someone that started with the Raw as a 13-year-old, now they're a 23-year-old A-League fixture, they're able to have some sort of cap exemption to keep them as a hometown player? Oh, look, I think I don't think getting rid of the salary cap is the answer. And again, this is the whole question about, again, do we want to be like the rest of the world or do we need to be uniquely Australian? I, but I think that there needs to be reform. I don't think $2.5 million to cover 20-something players is not enough. Maybe they need to raise it to you know, staggering heights where it's only going to take a few clubs you know, that will actually ever go near that. Yeah. But... I think at the moment it's restrictive. Not I get that point, but I think getting rid of all and open the floodgates, you're right. It's going to be a very uncompetitive competition. And at the moment, under the Sarah Cap, people are saying, oh, what a boring league that Sydney's dominating. You imagine if that's guaranteed yeah, almost every year the because they can spend. The problem with raising the Sarah Cap is how many teams are going to afford to spend more than two and a half million at the moment, plus markets? I don't think too many clubs could. No. That's it's the like other you, problem with it. The that, that's why W League should be looked at to see what not to do. You have We have a salary cap in W League, of course, but you have only probably two teams that get close to that, and that's Melbourne City and Canberra United because they can afford it. But you have teams like Adelaide United, Melbourne Victory, who simply can just barely afford to keep the players they have now with the CBA agreement. Before the CBA was even bought in, some teams just couldn't afford a W League team and ref- could not pay their players at all. Well, Central Coast Mariners closed theirs down. Yeah. Back in the day. All right, we've got to keep moving because I'm just realising how long we've been talking oh. about it. I've got to say one thing very, very quickly. Boz, thank you for giving us a second. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look, look at the end day. Look at this. Uh, people are critical of it, but you know what? At least at least Mark Bosnich has the guts to actually say and put his put his plan to air. Yeah. I think. So and I think we've got to, I think we've got to at least give him credit like for that. Like a lot of the things we're sort of seeing now, there is some merit to it. Mm. I, as I said... Selective international breaks is something yeah, I want to see. That's happen. ridiculous. Starting the league in an international break and round, it just completely ruins any momentum you're trying to build. Mm. That's just, that makes no sense. And you know what? For all complaints about midweek football, I think you'd take one or two midweek games if it means that... Like, you remember when the Raw were losing, was it Matt Mackay, Ivan Franich, and a couple of other yeah. players due to international windows, yeah. which would then mean... Like, yeah, you want to see your... Yeah. If you're a fan of that team, you want to see your best players on the field as often as possible. You don't want to lose them for international yeah. breaks. Yeah. Even if they are big World Cup qualifiers. Yeah. and But that's also where you say, all right, well, if you're going to lose two or more of your regular first 11, then we can postpone the match. And like so that way, if you've got a team like, again, not to pick on them, Central Coast, who might not lose any players for the Socceroos, and they're playing, I don't know, Why did you start picking on them and not Perth? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> anyway. But you get the point, though, where if you've got two teams that aren't losing any players, why should they have to be pushed back later? Yeah. I don't know. That's just me. Uh, transfer fees and loan system, abso-freaking-lutely. Yep. Yep. No, yep. That's, I you think know that's coming unanimous across all the, board, the whole lot, I think. And the if they do wind up with a second vision and promotion relegation, the playoff, you see that in German football. That is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, FFA to try legal pyro slash smoke next season. Yeah. I feel like we talked about this a couple of weeks oh ago. Oh, my God. <laughs> Where, look, if, where did this idea actually come from? I don't it came out know. of nowhere. It's a I'm getting guess about 20,000 people on Twitter are saying, it was my idea, it was my idea. I just want to, I just love to see the raw call with Pyro. Like, it's so freaking cool. I, I will go back to as an Hispanic. I, I'm more than okay with that, but can you 
please just do it somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah it would actually work well for more given the colour. It would work well. It's not going to happen. I just don't, I just don't uh, see the point of it. Like, you can have a good time being an actor supporter without Pyro. We've seen what Pyro has done and has gotten fans in trouble for, and a lot of European teams are moving away from it. Yes. Well, you saw those uh, idiots in the... Real Madrid PSG game who wound up blanketing half the field and I feel like that might have played a role in one of the goals yes. that they conceded there. and having one dropped at your feet is no fun trust me no um, especially when you see the cops running and you think exactly <laughs> you, you move out of the bay to get away from it and they follow you thinking it, was, my, it wasn't me my view simply on this is that you know what if it's still legal on state law there's people that are going to they're going to push yeah. the bounce even if it's legal or not because that's the whole part of being an ultra is because you are railing against authority and all that and to legalise it there's going to be people who are going to try and do it differently so, it's, if you think it solves the problem, you're nuts. Right. I don't think it's going to come in anyway. No, yeah. I don't think so either. I think they, I think what they're going to find is too many stadiums are a little bit too condensed. Yeah, because you've got to go around state governments, federal governments, and stadium policies to make this happen. I can't, so I can't see happen. the local authority in, as in the police no. approving it. I can see it's not the, happening. I can see... Well, Suncorp's actually got a pretty good area because... Suncorp the, that wouldn't let the Newcastle fan wear a balloon hat the other week. Oh, that was so funny. <laughs> that's right, that's right. I mean, like, in terms of just yeah. pure spatial restrictions, yeah. you look at, say, you know, the 500 level in the corners, you can yeah. probably set something up there, but how many stadiums have that space that's going to be empty, which mm. actually is a little bit of an indictment on the rural crowds, perhaps. <laughs> I, think, I think a lot of A-League sites at the moment have the yeah. space. Yeah. All right, uh... Move on to FFA Cup Round 3, Brisbane Zone. Karina beat Jimboomba, Annalee over Western Spirit. That's right down the road from here. Albany Creek over Bethania. Ipswich City over Bayside. 4-2 Centenary over Oxley. Grange Thistle 2-2 with New Farm, and New Farm won on penalty. So, so that's a big surprise. Because big Grange yeah, Thistle, a... that would one game away from being in the national round last year. So that's a big, big loss for them. So also, it's a big that... comeback for Albany Creek as well, because they were down 1-0 after about five minutes. That does really like our, another cup set early June trip to Grange like we had last year standing in the rain. <laughs> this, this time you could be off to Annalee or Karina or... I'll take Annalee. I'll yeah. walk to Annalee. <laughs> off you go. <laughs> it's not that far. It's only like three Ks. And Wednesday night, so while we're recording, yeah. probably Westside versus Northstar, UQFC versus Ridge Hills, Brisbane Athletic versus Samford, St. George Willowong versus The Gap, and Pine Hills versus Mount Gravatt. Good luck to all those teams involved. I really don't have a rooting interest no. one way or another. Uh, but, Ridge Hills, we're... Yes, I used to play have, for them, yeah. but hopefully they go well. Yeah. And, of course, the FQPL comes until the next round. Looking so it starts, to get, it starts to get interesting then. Oh, that's, mm. I think that's when we're going to have to yeah. start making these trips out and maybe see if we can do it on location recording. Okay. Sounds good. Mm. I'm just throwing that idea to Scott. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. Someone spots on the north side. <laughs> no, south side. Two outvotes, one. Yeah. <laughs> I think three outvotes on Benji's outvote as well. <laughs> All right, that's going to be it for this segment of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. Back to the Brisbane Football Review. It's James, Adam, and Angela. And hang on, you're not Scott. It's no. Alex from the Queensland Socceroos fans. Hello, hello. How are we all, Alex? Good to know we didn't scare you off yeah. from your first appearance. No. Welcome back. No, no, no. I'm I'm glad you invited me back, and I didn't scare you. Though. <laughs> so that's, that's the more important thing, right? <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So we brought yeah. you on as a bit of a Socceroos specialist. We've kicked yeah. Scott, sent him, kicked kick mm. Scott off, sent him to the bench mm. for the mm. first segment that he's missing in show history. Oh, I'm sorry. The streak had to end at some point yeah, anyway. We blame technology. We're, def- <laughs> we're definitely not auditioning uh, replacements for him for next season, by the way, Adam. 
Mm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we brought you on as a Socceroo specialist because there's been a little bit of news coming out about the national team in the last mm-hmm. uh, week or so, and we're going to lead off with everyone's two favourite words, mm. Graham Arnold. Mm. Can we yes. get your thoughts on his appointment as a successor to Bert Van Marwijk, who hasn't actually coached a game yet? Well, yes, interesting timing, I, uh, I think, uh, to announce that. Obviously, probably very pressured by Sydney FC, in my opinion. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, Graham Arnold, I think it's the worst-kept secret. I think when I was on here last, we actually mm, all did, said yeah. pretty much, yes, Graham Arnold's going to take over after Bert. Um, so really no surprise and really, if I'm quite honest, it scares the living Jesus out of me. Understandable, because I think um, a lot of fans do remember his tenure with the team back in late 06 and into the 2007 Asian yeah. Cup. So obviously he hasn't got a great track record with mm. the national team, but if you look at his club form, especially in the A-League since then, he does appear to have evolved as a manager since then. 100%, yeah, I do. I, and look, I... Um, I do agree with that. Uh, you know, look at Ange Postacoglu. He did the same sort of thing. Um, rebuilt himself over a sort of uh, five to ten year period after his uh, sort of troubles with the young Socceroos um, before he took the raw job. Um, so, you know, look, Arnie has certainly turned around the A-League. What really worries me, though, guys, and I don't know if you'll agree with me, um, is... It, it, it all sort of... The, the problems for me with Graham Arnold really stem from Asia. You know, we saw the 2007 Asian Cup where we, we did sort of flop. I think it's probably fair to say. Um, even though it was early in his tenure, we, we do have to give him some leeway probably for that. Um, but, you know, the move to... Um, for Galta Sundai um, after winning the championship with uh, Mariners, that was a complete disaster. Let's let's be quite honest. Mm. Um, understandable, like quite a significant language barrier there. Um, and I think you have to look at the Asian Champions League campaigns at club level. They haven't been that great for Arnold's. Um, I think overnight they drew. Uh, Thanks to Matt Simon, go figure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, with that horrendous-looking um, bandage, I, I did miss the. It did, it did actually help for that. I think the bandage yeah. actually was a nice little compliment to Matt Simon. <laughs> you pro- yeah, it probably was, in fact. Yeah, but, Adam. Yeah. Um, I guess um, the one thing with Graham Arnold is, mm. you know, is but is there another alternative from a straight like a Australian mm. coach? Because yeah. I think that's where the problem. Like, I think. Yeah. Love him or hate him, I think this is where I guess the I guess the personality thing it becomes a bit of an issue because look we're we're all Brisbane Raw fans and and whatnot and now unless unless you're a Sydney FC fan or maybe a Central Coast Mariners fan you're not going to like him. Mm. But oh, I, I guess, me. <laughs> I'm sorry oh. to say, it. and, and yeah. especially because I have a really good Sydney connection. Um, Michael Zula, I know his parents very very well. Um, Credit to them for helping me out with a few things here and there. But, yes, yeah, speaking to them and speaking the transition Sydney has made from a few years ago to now, it's absolutely phenomenal. And I think Graham can bring something to the Socceroos that they're looking for. And it's not like technique, structure, formation, anything like that. It's just the team environment that the Socceroos are lacking, I believe. And we've seen it. I think there's a few problems in the dressing room that Ange was losing players, especially like Moy, or as I call him, Mui. But yeah, it's. I think the problem was Ange lost the dressing room, and I think Graham come in and shake that up and bring a team environment to it. And I think that's one of the main problems the Socceroos have been facing. They feel like they're individuals, and they believe they're individuals, but they're actually a team. And I feel like one thing that 
kind of jumps out for me, looking at the playing squad that he is going to inherit, is he's got a lot of guys that are probably going to be around for the path through to 2022. And, you know, the obvious joke there is chances are Tim Cahill will still be going and not <laughs> But realistically, you look at the guys that are going to be starting come the France game. You've got Matt Ryan. Chances are he'll still be around. You'll have... Uh, Trent Sainsbury, he'll still be there. One of the left-backs, you've got three who are young and in contention. Moy, probably going to have to replace Millet Yednak, but Rogic, etc., McLaren and Juric and the wingers as well. You've got a pretty solid base there. So now, I feel like Ange's best asset was unearthing a lot of those young players and seeing what they could bring to the side. And if you want to look for the positives with Graham Arnold, he might be able to take those players and sort of hone them a little bit more in terms of a national team setup. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think they're all really good points and, and probably um something that we should all you know, we should mention is um Graham Arnold, I guess, does solidify teams, um, especially at the back. He um really fixes defences. That's a key issue I think that yeah. Uh, the soccerers have had under Ange, um, whether it's the attacking football, but yada, 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 I don't know. Um, I think, you know, that's going to certainly give us some spine. And I also think too, um, you know, I, I did sort of bag Arnie there. and I, um, As a raw you know, fan, to, you're entitled. Yeah, <laughs> to, to, I guess, equal that out, you do have to look at this um, current soccerers side and look at the players that he has brought through. Matt Ryan, Trent Sainsbury, um, even to any extent, Milay Yedinak, I think, at the Mariners there um, at that point. Um, he does have well, ties to a lot so. of the guys in the yeah. squad. And yeah. It, it is a name that a lot of these players will probably respond to. And mm. in terms of the timing of the appointment as well, I, I honestly would have rather to have seen Bert van Marwijk or whoever they had for the World Cup stick around through to the Asian Cup because I, I do have questions about how quickly Arnie's going to be able to get himself asserted over that squad right away and that was one of the things that did bring about his downfall in 2007 where he had a lot of the guys like Viduka, Neil, Schwarzer etc who were developing those egos as that golden generation and quite honestly might have felt like the Asian Cup was a little bit too soon after the World Cup and came in a little bit overconfident perhaps. Yeah I'd probably agree with you there James to be um, quite honest I don't think um, to you know, for Arnie at that stage of his coaching career, he probably didn't have the the right tools to deal with that. Um, and and there's a lot of established managers out there in the world uh, that don't have that. Um, we see that day in day out in the Premier League, A League, um, where you know football globally. Um, so yeah, I I do yeah I do question it as well, James, because I think um, you know why not? Obviously, Sydney aren't going to let go of Arnie. Um, during this campaign, but why wasn't he given the same sort of time period as Postacoglu? Um, you know, taking us to this World Cup, um, building something for the Asian Cup, or you know, building something for the World Cup. And um, I guess it really stirs my gripe up as to why um, Postacoglu didn't stay around to at least see out his grand plan for this forthcoming World Cup. Really, well, one of the things that kind of jumps out for me, I'll get your thoughts on this, Adam, is. The way that the soccer, like the way that uh, Postacoglu really did seem to have that falling out with guys like Robbie Slater and stuff in the media, and the way that they criticised him, and you've got the rumours basically that this is basically 
Slater and Co getting their man in the job. So my big question about this is going to be, how's he going to handle the criticism that comes with being a national team manager when things might not go to plan? Because as we've seen, Graham can get a little bit grumpy from time to time. Look, I think um, at the end of the day, I actually think if he if he's able to sort of manage that and, and you know sort of you know, be able to deflect that sort of that criticism, because no matter what, he's going he's going to cop it. And we've been seeing and hearing you now that there's fans actually, and I don't believe it's true to be honest, in small minority that they would not support the national team just because, because it's of, on Twitter. It probably seems louder than it actually yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, yeah, I think I think that's been exaggerated. But look, I think if he can temper that. And so, at the end of the day, um, look, I, I think he'll, he'll go all right. I think, um, I think, I guess the question would be, what is the pass mark for him? You know, you know, going out, like you, until we know what happens, Asia Cup and whatnot. You know, beyond that, depending on how we go, where where is the line drawn? We say, is he a success or failure in the job? For me, it would be making the Asian Cup final and direct World Cup qualification. Uh yeah, it's. It's interesting. I think some people's um, expectations of Socceroos with the team we actually currently have is sometimes a bit unrealistic, especially heading into a World Cup. We're expected to They're actually... They're not going to win it? <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, every team, national team has expectations, and when those expectations aren't met, there's coach straight away, the players are usually left to their own life. Oh, it's not the player's fault, it's always the coach's fault. And I think that's the same thing that happened with Ange. Um, to me, I think, if we make the final, that's great, but... Asia's developing as a world football powerhouse and we can't just expect to go in there as a country that won the Asian Cup in 2015 and be like, yep, we can do it again because that's just completely unrealistic. But my expectation, I suppose, comes from the fact that Australia does have good players. Yes, there are other good teams in Asia too, but with the way, with the potential in this side, you've got a Premier League player in Aaron Moy. I would say you've got Premier League quality in a handful of other players. You've got a good side that should be seen as one of, if not the best in Asia, at least on paper. Mm. And if he, and that is honestly why I expect them to be in the mix. Yeah, look, um, I'm probably somewhere in between James and Andrew, I'd say. Um, it, it's, it is difficult to quantify, but I think as defending champions, you'd at least be wanting to get to the semi-final mm. as a very bare minimum. Yeah. Um, and direct world qualif- World Cup qualification is expected, and um, I think ultimately, well, not ultimately, I think there was a lot of things that, that led to Ange um, walking away from the Socceroos job, but I think that did um, was probably the last knife in his back that you know Robbie Slater and Co probably needed, really. All right, so one last little point I want to talk about with uh, the Graham Arnold appointment as well is, do you see him actually lasting? through to June 2022? Or when's the World Cup? December, November, December or whatever it yes. is? Oh, God. When yeah, is that, is <laughs> yeah. That, has that been yeah. changed or not? We still need to get a date off um, Infantino, yeah. don't we? The stadiums uh, aren't even we don't, we don't have enough yeah. Qatar will be there. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. Well, that was the latest some, thing, wasn't it? If yeah. you leave some points in the media. Yeah. All right, so we'll gra- just quick yes or no. Mm. Will Graham Arnold be in charge of the soccer is on the opening day of the 2022 World Cup? No. Look, I don't think so, to be honest. I'm optimistic and I say yes. I want him to be. I want him to be because as much as I heckle him, you know, I still want the Socceroos to do well. And yes, I'm going to give him a little bit of a shorter leash because I preferred Ange. But at the end of the day, just, it's still the national team that I want to do well. Just to quickly uh, elaborate on my point, no, because I do think that unlike other coaches, I think if we are in a spot of bother, 
in say in 2020 you know similar to what Andrews I think FFA will have no hesitation getting rid of him and bringing a foreign coach to get the job done I don't think they want to go please not well I, I, don't, I don't think the FFA want to go through that ordeal again and go into the Intercontinental Plus I think the first sign of trouble they may get rid of him whereas I think they were really sort of you know reticent not to, to let Ange go through the whole way because he did have that project yeah all right, so uh, we're going to quickly touch on the three players cut from the Socceroos squad as of this morning. So. Oh, God, I've already had an argument about this. <laughs> Online, I assume? Is there oh, yeah. With 4-4-2 and, yeah, Jamie McLaren. Jeez. So, Jamie, former Raw <laughs> Strike... Jamie McLaren. <laughs> Jamie McLaren was one of the three players cut, along with Alex Gersback and Mitch Langerak. Good, I did remember that off the top of my head. <laughs> Were you a little bit surprised to see those three players cut? Uh, look, Langerak... Probably not so much. I think, obviously, Van Marwijk was going to go with Jones. Um, with Jones playing in his own backyard. Uh, Gersback may be a little bit more surprising, but maybe he's going for a bit of a you know relationship with Meredith to Cahill there. Don't know how well that's been established yet. It's not you know in its infancy. Uh, but that was a little bit... Uh, McLaren was a big surprise for me. Um I'm a big fan, though, personally, so uh, I was really hoping he'd make the, the team. He's uh, starting to build some form at Hibs, uh, so a little bit disappointing. Um, and considering our lack of depth in strikers, um, even more so surprising, I think. Adam, who would you, what, would you have had Jay McLaren in the squad? I would have. Um, in place of who? Probably of <laughs> probably Naboo. Yeah. Because um, look, at the end of the day, um, for me, look, I'm so Andrew Naboo has been sensational at you know in the A League, but is A League form good enough to carry into the national team against you know two accomplished you know nations like Norway, Norway and Colombia? But then, but then again, like I said, I wouldn't I wouldn't say oh Jay McLaren's completely on the out. It may be just a bit of experimentation. Give the likes of Demi Petrados, give the likes of Andrew Naboo a chance. See if they sink or swim. We know we know what Jamie McLaren is capable of. Maybe, and that may be, he may have been excluded, not because of form or it wasn't good enough. It may be just a case of, let's try someone else, blood a few players, which is surprising for Ben Marwick. And I suppose the other point also, if you were going to exclude Naboo, he has just moved to Japan. So, you know, how well is he going to be settled there before having to jet off overseas to... Well, I don't think he would have played a game before he goes to um, to Oslo. I think I'd, I'd have, to, we'll have to follow Uru Red Diamond and see what, what's going on there. But I, w- I would imagine he would have um, actually played a game, so... Yeah, and that just for me, from a logistical man management perspective, I would have just said, all right, look, get yourself settled. You're in contention. It's nothing personal, but that's just me. Yeah, I'm one of those people who, if you're a striker, you've got to be informed. You've got to be scoring goals. Jamie McLaren's two goals, one penalty. One of those was a penalty with Hibbs. Missing a whole bunch of chances, according to the fan websites, is just not what you need in the striker at this time. And um, Jamie scored 40 goals two seasons, something like that, in the A-League, and that's brilliant. You can have form in the A-League. That's great, but... If you can't translate that form into the Scottish Premier League, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> if you got if you're forward, you got to be scoring goals, and that's just the thing in football. But he always was one of those strikers that you know was maybe one out of five in terms of chances converted. Mm, yeah, that's yeah, that's a very good point, James and and, and Angela as well. There, um, he, he's um yeah, and I I think that's probably something that he needs a coach to. I don't know, do something like he, like, you know, we all had hopes of 
him going to the second tier in Germany and getting that with um, Torsten Frings, I think it was in charge originally at um, uh, the name of Darmstadt. Darmstadt, Darmstadt. Um, but that all, you know, as football does, takes its coaches. Um, McLaren, you know, um, and, uh, you know, he, he's still struggling to, to net those chances. In saying that, the last goal he did score for Hibs, I thought, yeah. so <laughs> it was a true striker's goal. Right? Yeah. You know, so, um, and yeah. on that, I suppose, the other thing you can also look for with McLaren is the more minutes he gets, the more in form he'll be. And mm. clearly he's been noticed enough to be called up into the initial 29-man squad, mm. so he's clearly doing enough to get noticed it's just a case the only, of the yeah. only thing I can think of of his omission is I wonder if it actually gives insight to how perhaps attacking style because we all know Jay McLaren he's a bit indefic- he's a bit inefficient when it comes to heading mm. you know so maybe are they going to be playing a style where you know a lot of crosses in the box into, and so maybe that's what's counted against him but um, look I think only time will tell about whether he's actually out of favour or whether it's just he He's going to get more time with Hibs, or yeah, who knows? I think, but you've got to remember these, these are friendlies, and it is a large pool that um, Van Marwijk is picking from, and maybe it's not the end of the World Cup dream just yet. Oh, no way, absolutely not. Like you look at those, the players that are cut, none of them can look at this and go, "Oh, well, clearly my World Cup dream is over." I feel like out of the squad, maybe eleven or twelve. Uh, Unfortunately, for the reaction on social yeah. media, it's making it sound like it is a death now, which I think, <laughs> I think which I think is wrong. I, I can't imagine social media, media yeah. ever <laughs> overreacting to <laughs> anything. Yeah. All right, so we're going to move on to the more successful national team and the Matildas, where they close out their Algarve Cup uh, with a third fourth clash against Portugal, which they lost two one. Should we be too upset, Angela? No, we shouldn't be too upset. It was a it's Argyle Cup is pretty much the pre tournament, it's Asian Cup, it's experimental. We're looking at rotation, we're looking at the team that can be put into the Asian Cup. We had so many players injured, Caitlin Ford, Amy Harrison, um, Kaylee Razzo, Steph Catley, all key members of the Matilda squad for like the last two games we had against Brazil and China. Oh, those games we had against Brazil and China, I should say. And, hey, Portugal and Emerging Nation, they did extremely well in the Euro 2018 competition. And I don't think it should be upset. I think it should just be a learning experience. Yeah, that's, I think that's what we were all saying last week as well. Like, it's not the end of the world. Uh, look, at the end of the day, like, the streak was ended, you know, both wins and, you know, and then mm. sort of avoiding losses. At the end of the day, I think we'd rather have this loss now. I think Alan Stadich was the same. I think he tempered expectations as well saying you don't expect them to win every game. And I think I, think I would rather that than basically losing a key game at Asia Cup where we out and miss the World Cup altogether. So I think, you know, Algarve Cup, it's great, but you know what? The main game is Asia Cup and qualifying for France in 2019. All right, and just quickly, there was also ABC Australian Story documentary on the history of the Matildas, and from all reports, it's something that, we can highly recommend that you watch. Yeah, it's amazing to see. Um, we had um, the former editor of the Women's Game and on there talking about it. It's amazing to see where football in Australia for women has come now. Absolutely. All right, so that's going to be it for segment three of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you very much for coming on, Alex. <laughs> Thank you for having me again. How can people get in contact with the Queensland Socceroos fans? Yes, I'm glad you could ask, James. So, on Facebook, <laughs> oh, yes, I did remember the handles this time, and I did write them down. Uh-huh, so, on Facebook, it is at 
QLD Socceroos fans, all as one as the um, the handle. Uh, the Twitter handle is at Socceroos QLD QLD in capital letters as well. And you guys are part of a big push to get a game to Brisbane. Yes, just we are indeed. Anything. So <laughs> yeah, just a crumb. Even with, like you know, <laughs> Matildas, yeah. Socceroos, Olyroos, yeah. um, like Joey's, like under tens. We'll take a friendly Australian. against American Samoa. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, and uh, hopefully Archie won't score. Th- and also as well, Alex, um, you got the uh, live sites as well. Yes, yeah, or... so I'm glad you mentioned that, Adam. So uh, yes, uh, for the friendlies, the upcoming friendlies, uh, Pig and Whistle Queen Street Mall will be the venue for both of those um, due sa- to liquor licensing yep. laws. Saturday at 3 a.m. Um, for the Norway game because yes, it's in indeed. Oslo. Oh, yes, <laughs> um, <laughs> And Scott's just volunteered Adam to cover that. <laughs> And Columbia is the morning of the 27th and 3rd, which I believe is a Wednesday at 4am. I can give you some great things now, guys, that coffee at that time of the morning is not going to help. Yes. It does not help. It does when you've got a 500ml keep cup over there. Wow. I ended up falling asleep after all the Argyle Cup games anyway, so... Well, when you did, what was it, 19 straight NFL Mondays with 4am starts, you get used to getting up at that time. (laughs) All right, so that's going to be it. Alex, thank you very much. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for having me, guys. We've got our fifth official with the substitutions board. We might bring Scott back to look ahead to this weekend's A-League. We'll be back. Please no VAR. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to the Brisbane Football Review. We've sub Scott back in for segment four. We're here for the Daily Football Show Fan Network. I've had my mid-game rest and ready to go. Let's go. Right. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if footballers could just have like yeah. 20-minute naps in the I, middle of a game? When I play swear I used to do that. Division <laughs> five in juniors, you can do that. It's great. <laughs> Not yeah. if you're the goalkeeper. It's we don't have oh. to run. Well, hey, sometimes the team up the other end, yeah, they're not doing very well, so you just get a rest and sit on the ground. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, so it's the final segment of the show, and that means we've got to lead off with our usual plugs. Adam. Hey, I'm up. You were looking ready to say it, so... <laughs> <laughs> I'm still in warm-up mode here. All right, uh, the plugs. So you can find us on Facebook at The Raw Review. Search for that. Uh, on Twitter at Raw Review. Uh, the, on the... The podcast is on iTunes and Wooshka. We're uh, working on YouTube, but it's it being exists. difficult. Yeah. Yep. And you can drop us an email at brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. And finally, fan cams for the grand finale in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah. Which we... On the Northern Plaza yep. uh, after the Central Coast home game. For, and I'll tell you what, if you're coming on the fan camps, you've got a lot to live up to after the last yeah. home game. <laughs> that was we awesome. Want, we, want, we want to go out with a bang. <laughs> Not literally. No, no, no. You know. Although everyone did seem to be in a much better mood because they won. (laughs) Anyway, Scott? Yes. Did you watch any of the plugs? There's still enough plugs to go here. What are you doing? Yeah. Well, I was going to let you throw to it. You keep this up. You're going to be subbed out the next episode. (laughs) (laughs) Promise? Because I can go to sleep then. Cool. Okay, (laughs) Angela, how do you get help with you? So you can find us on Twitter at More The Women's Game, which is for our um, other one. Uh, for our all other sports, AFL, netball, but you also can there find other our sports. Fo- there are other sports, <laughs> apparently. Well, AFL didn't mention last year. Exactly. <laughs> and for our football um, only one, you can find us at the Women's Game on Twitter and on Facebook at Oz the Women's Game. Um, you also can find us on Instagram. We put up all our cool graphics and 
photos from all the games and we also do Instagram stories because that's a thing now. Um, you can find us at the women's game on there as well. And welcome to Instagram, Scott. Thank well. you. <laughs> I, Very late to the party, but yeah, thank you. I have to admit, I really don't understand Instagram stories. If you want to post a photo, why not post something that stays there? Yeah, but right. that's just me. You can do boomerangs, though. What's that? I like how everyone's just looking at me right now. <laughs> I feel like I'm really no, like... I didn't know what it is. I, I feel so old right now. <laughs> anyway... We're going to skip over the round 22 results because they really weren't all that notable. And no one watched it anyway. That's not true. I watched it at work. Apparently, even the A-League page didn't notice it because they got the scores wrong twice. (laughs) And I took a screenshot. (laughs) (laughs) What was it? The Mariners versus Wellington or something? Ridiculous. Uh, Hang on. Was it being run by another social media team that tends to make some fairly obvious mistakes? It was Western Sydney to the Mariners... And the people who they have on there are the Mariners in Perth, and Mariners were winning 3-1 against Western Sydney. Well, to be fair, Andrew Hull's goal was phenomenal, so it probably should have counted for three. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, let's get on to round 23. We've got four games this weekend because one of the round 23 games has already been played two weeks ago during the round 22 split round. I've just given myself an ice cream headache. Anyway. And everyone listening to that too. Yeah. Makes no sense while I did that, but anyway. I didn't even realise that uh, until I saw it. I'm going to guess it had something to do with ground availability or something, or the Wanderers or Perth just assuming they'd be making up the bulk of the Socceroos squad. Uh, <laughs> so that game was Wanderers-Perth 1-all. Yeah, it was the 1-all game, yeah. With the Liam Reddy drama. Then it, Friday night it is Adelaide versus Melbourne City in a game where one of these sides really needs to end their losing streak. Maybe yeah. they won't end up losing streak. Exactly. <laughs> and then we've also got... We're really excited about these games, you can tell, can't you? <laughs> well, that is actually a big game for the Raw, because whoever drops off on their losing streak is probably going to be, in, I suppose, From catching a Raw perspective, you'd prefer Adelaide to drop points, because I think yeah. they... Yeah, I don't think you're going to catch Melbourne City, to be honest. <laughs> Wellington, no. Newcastle in the early game, Saturday. <laughs> then we've got Sunday, Melbourne victory versus Central Throwing Coast it out there, Wellington might win that game. That is, throwing that it is out an, there. That is in Auckland, by the way. Mm. Yes. Okay, I take that back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and we're going to move on to uh, Saturday night, 6.50. It's a primetime game, which is also going to be featured on one, where Sydney FC hosts the Brisbane Raw at Allianz Stadium. And this season so far, it's been pretty much all Sydney. 3-1 at Allianz in the uh, Papadopoulos incident game. And then round 15 at Suncorp Stadium, Sydney FC 3-0 over the Raw in a game that I don't really remember a whole lot of. I'm desperately trying to forget what happened that day. That was probably about the worst the game I've seen. Yeah. I didn't even know the scores until you just said them. <laughs> The all-time record in Sydney is played 41, won 15, lost 13, drawn 13, although as of late it hasn't been great. Uh, actually, that's, winless record. In the, that's winless in the last five against Sydney. Yep, so. and that is the all-time record against Sydney. In Sydney, it's played for, uh, won four, drawn eight, lost eight. You can tell my coffee's starting yeah. to wear off. And winless in their last five, as you said. However, Brett Holman feels like there might be a little bit of cause for optimism based on his press conference yesterday. Have they lost their roar right now? I think so, a little bit. Um, you know, exactly what I just said. You know, they've, they've been exposed a little bit. Okay, the Champions League is a different story, but, you know, Newcastle's done it now as well. Um, I think they have, you know, that uh, that impressive season that they did last year. Um, it's, it's, I don't think it's, it is as, as, as effective this season and um, and uh, I think teams have, uh, have, have come to notice that. 
and that was Brett Holman obviously feeling like there may be a few vulnerabilities. My question for you guys, though, we'll start off with you, Angela, is how quickly has Graham Arnold put that quote up on the whiteboard in the dressing room? <laughs> probably very quickly, probably just as quickly as when um, Cozzy said, Redlands United, we're going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> we should um, say thanks to the Raw for that audio, by the way, because <laughs> our day jobs prevented us getting to that press conference. So, yeah, I reckon Arnie's just put that up there saying, yep, this is what, show them a show, pretty much, so that... We have to eat our own words. It'll be up by Friday when he gets back from Cashmere, <laughs> that's for sure. I well, mean, this is about the... I don't know. I, I like the quote, but it's about the worst thing you could possibly do this week to a Sydney team who is... Brett's not wrong. It's just, don't tell them. Don't, <laughs> don't give them any ammunition, all right? They They're are already... coming off two losses in a draw, so <laughs> maybe you hope this is where the travel starts to catch up to them. But as we talked about in the last segment with Alex, it, they are a very well-drilled side be in large part because of Arnie, and you feel like they're going to be getting up for this game. Yeah, and the thing is as well, so they've got they've got a few troops to come back as well. It didn't go to Japan, so um, look, I, this may be the best time to catch um, Sydney, but I still think they're probably they're probably that far ahead of the rest that you know I think that yeah, it's going to be it's it's going to be tough. Because there's a few players one. who didn't go to Japan, isn't there? Yeah, Babo didn't go. I think Ninkovic not go as well. I can't remember. I don't know. No, to... no Ninkovic. I only no saw the last was... bit of the game. All right, I didn't watch all the game. And not to turn this into sky blue views, but if you are Sydney FC, you're probably thinking, "All right, we need X amount of points to claim the Premier's plate. Let's just get them as quickly as possible." Yeah, I. Well, see, let's just say this: they've got the Premier's plate 100. percent I have no doubts with that, and I may eat my own words. In the end, if something happens drastically... We're going to get you back on to eat those words. Yeah, do, we probably it? will, yeah. Well, you are a semi-regular guest yeah. now, so you can just show up one yeah. word. So like, hey, guys, I'm here to eat my words. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I don't think Sydney will have any problems trying to get those points against Raw. I'm sorry, Raw, but... <laughs> All right, let's turn our attention to the Raw, though. And there was a little bit of news coming out of training yesterday where Daniel Bowles, the last healthy central defender at the start of the well, nominally central defender at the start of the season, was missing, and they were practicing with Jacob Pepper and Connor O'Toole at centre-back. That's <laughs> just... I think everyone's went, oh, no. Yes. Although That's in this room, oh, no, not this <laughs> Although, apparently, according to Vince Regari, that was, uh, yeah. it, I suppose, an excused absence, and he'll be fine for Saturday night. Well, you uh, hope it's an excused absence. <laughs> you yeah. hope he'll be fine for Saturday I do wonder night. what that means for who will partner Daniel Bowles. It'll be Pepper, who's played them all regularly off. Conor O'Toole will play centre-back, and France keeps the spot left-back. I think that'll Pepper. be interesting. It's got to be Pepper You think Pepper? Yep. Yeah. I wouldn't rule out O'Toole. Mm. I just, I all you need is someone who's going to be strong in that central defence. I'm just That's all I've got to say. Either that's O'Toole mm. or that's Pepper. you just got to make that person that's, that's strong and that they won't stuff up. Yeah. <laughs> And, <laughs> and they are coming into this game off a week off, so hopefully some of the, I suppose, niggling injuries that they've been dealing with might have started to heal up, especially in the attacking front. Yeah. Well, Macaroni left with a calf injury or something, so hopefully he's okay because I'll need him, but... He looked fine kicking that water bottle. <laughs> he did, <laughs> he did he? Yeah. <laughs> right, Reminds so... me of Broyce did his hamstring celebrating one day, to remember that. <laughs> So we've got in the run sheet here the question, how to stop Sydney, and I suppose finding someone to let out the tyres on their team bus isn't the appropriate solution. Pray, Pray, yeah. (laughs) Hope that Jamie Young does actually turn into a wall. Yeah. Oh, look, in all being serious serious about it, I think 
I think they've just got to hope that you know that they catch Sydney sort of you know on a bit of a downside and and taking their opportunities. I think that's uh, if if Sydney show up and play up there, it's yeah. I think the the golf is too far, but I think they just got you know, a bit of luck, a bit of uh, you know taking their opportunities, and who knows? And maybe Sydney may you know especially knowing that they've got the premiers play all but sewn up. They may not be so ferocious trying to chase the game. I think you got to get the ball forward quickly against them because we've seen if you try and play through them, they really love to kick you. Brilliante, O'Neill, Carney, if he plays, Brosk, they just love to kick people. So if you can get the ball forward quickly with with the Raw's quick attacking players, you might better get some joy. Just bypass the, as you call them, Scott, Hack Brothers. Absolutely. And I've, <laughs> I saw some stats during the week. They're both in the top 10 of players for fouls for the year. Oh, wow. So yeah. I stand by that. So. I suppose and Brilliante's number one. No, sorry, it's O'Neill who's number one, my bad. So the way forward would then potentially be, you look at the guys playing on the wing, like Ben Calfler and Bortiak, and just sort of get them going yeah. forward, trying to attack the spaces in behind uh, Zulo and Luke oh, Wilkinson. Zulo, I don't think he's going to play. It'll be um, Red Tram Wilkinson. Yeah, I don't think Zulo's um, fit. I don't think Zulo will be fit for well, the game. Then I suppose, well, then you can really attack Zulo. Someone in the stand. No, with a sharp wit, of course. <laughs> All right, so, you know, like, honestly, I feel like you're not going to get that many chances to score against Sydney SC. So, assuming Macaroni is going to get the start again, although there have been a few, I suppose, little teasers that maybe Corey Gramero might play as well. Really? I don't know. I just saw that. something on um, Instagram today, which was, uh, he's working hard at training. Is he going to get his uh, first A-League goal? So, you know what? If he don't does start... it, Raw. <laughs> don't. Can't Don't advertise change like that for the game either. I'll tell you what, if my total pull it out of my butt guess is going to be correct, I'm going to look like an absolute genius. If I'm wrong, then I'll just look like I used to. So we're all going to the Eric Bortiak style of announcing news. Let's just hope Sydney FC Instagram will follow him. Well, I think you still. Macaroni's probably going to start. Yeah. As much as it's fun to speculate, you're probably going to go with the group that's worked. And the man from the quotes before, Brett Holman, how important is he? He's very important because he's played so well the last few weeks. I think if the Raw do try and play through Sydney, he's the one who actually is capable of doing it because he's by far the Raw's best player in that middle third. And with how much he's been running around as well. Well, he's been doing very well. I'm actually quite impressed the kind of changes he's actually made this season from previous games, or ones that I've watched was like a year ago. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think, and the one thing I do want to see from him as well, if he gets in shooting position, have a crack, because if nothing else, he's more than capable of scoring that long-range stunner. The other, the other, the other five. (laughs) <laughs> Fulton Reed from the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> yeah, the other I think player I think we, that we need to have a big game is Eric Bortiak. I think um, well, you want to hope that you know, he carries on from that from how he he played in the last game um, against Adelaide, and you want to hope that it's not more than just you know a fluke or a you know that that we actually are getting the complete package on on sort of his class as we know it. And we're starting to see signs of that already. <laughs> All right, now we've been talking for a very long time today, so I say we get into the predictions. Oh no! <laughs> oh god, yeah. And we're going to start off with Angela. Okay, um, I'm sorry, Raw. <laughs> <laughs> You're I, I think you may may lose to Sydney just because, yeah. It's Sydney, Sydney are a very good side. Sydney are a very good side. Look, the truth is never mean. Sydney are a very good side. So let's get that prediction. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think Raw will get maybe one goal, and I think it'll be three-one. But don't trust me on that. It hasn't gone very well in the past. Yeah, <laughs> my predictions aren't good. Don't trust any of our predictions. Yeah. I think it's the moral of the story this year. All right, Adam. I actually think it might be a one-all draw. 
Well, I love the optimism. <laughs> that would be a massive point in the Raw's March. That, well, the that, that's, that's the other thing I don't think we mentioned as well is that this a loss here could almost be you know we enter mathematical slash out yeah, of your hands. It does. It really the does. Finals thing. So I think I think you can't under, underestimate that you know the Raw should be up for this. You know just to keep their finals series low. That's why I think you know, maybe a, a draw might be best. You ready? Yeah. I said this on Saturday night in the press box at Brisbane City. One nil to the Raw. He did. You, well, and you called that for Holden. the Adelaide game, and you were right. <laughs> and I, and I'll okay, okay, I'll tell you. Oh, he's going goal score as well. Okay, I'll that's what I said. I don't know. <laughs> that means it's going to be about 4-0 to Sydney. Yeah, well, and we've actually got yeah. a tracking sheet. If you, if this is correct, 1-0 with Brett Holman scoring the winning yeah. goal, we'll just give you like 20 you points what, or something. So I'll, still be, so I'll narrow the gap from second to third then? <laughs> just about, yeah. Yeah. Alright, and I'm actually going to echo Angela's prediction because Sydney FC have scored three goals in both their games against the Raw this copy year. copy people's predictions. Oh, I just realised I said 3-1. <laughs> <laughs> three three one Sydney three FC. Goal, yeah. <laughs> and I feel like that pattern's going to continue. Sydney probably two goals in the first half and then 1-1 one, one in the second half. So, you know, I've been wrong a lot lately when it comes to score predictions. We've so. all been wrong a lot lately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Two got the last game spot on, so you never Did know. I? Yeah, you both picked one nil wins. Fluke. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> if you're just looking at uh, recent form, Adam's actually doing quite well getting the right results. So we'll just have to wait and see. All right, that's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Angela, thank you as always. Yes, thank you, you for having me back. <laughs> Good to see you again. Adam, James. Yep. Yeah, Scott, Adam, yep, thanks guys. for coming on. Yep. Uh, get out, enjoy the football this weekend. Go Raw. We despite our predictions we do hope you can pick up three points get from out Sydney. the NPL game as well yes yeah. and get out watch the NPL as well because it's been a lot of fun this season yes. so far and we hope that will continue thanks everyone for listening we'll be back next week